The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Brutal Nation. The podcast series is dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one and the only... Why do you have leaves in your hair and you look like you just got from a jungle, Sasquatch Shut ass? Up. That's Tammy Underwood over there. Say, there's nothing wrong with There isn't. I'm just messing with you. I thought you were going to talk about the look on my face. I'm like, it's the heartburn. Ooh, yeah, because you got the wrong burger. I got the wrong burger. <laughs> that was you know bad. what I was just going to say also is your face just lit up on me. So I know. keep telling you because I'm that white. <laughs> this is my summer tan. Isn't that sad? <laughs> Like, I don't and it tan. doesn't really help that the screen light, you know. I've got two shades, okay? I have summer tan, which is pale. And then I have winter, which is I disappear. Like if it snows outside. <laughs> you can't see Scott. Oh, yeah. I, you know, they, they, they design military outfits for winter warfare. Mm-hmm. Okay? I have that naturally like a chameleon. I take my clothes off. You'll be like, holy shit, where the fuck did he go in the snow? We'll never yeah. fucking fight. I could be right behind you. You'll be like... I feel a presence. I feel I feel a disturbance in the force. I tap you on the shoulder. <laughs> you turn around. Who the fuck tapped me on the shoulder, man? It won't be until I open up my eyes you see the blue eyes. You'll be like, oh, hey, I see, I see eyes are floating. Yeah, no, that's me. <laughs> I say your eyes are very blue. Thank you. I've seen bluer, but yeah, they're very blue. I've, I've mentioned this before, and then we'll get into to this podcast. Is um, From a trucking gig, I have a dispatcher named Todd, and I call him Chief White Claw. Oh, yeah. I've said, I said the most gay thing I've ever said to a guy, to Todd, because he has these gorgeous, they're like aqua-colored eyes. Oh. And I looked at him. This was years and years ago, because I've been over there for years. I got to ask you, do you wear contacts? So, no, this is my nat- this is my natural eye color. God damn, this is the gayest thing I've ever said to a guy. But you got gorgeous eyes, dude. Yeah, they are. They're they're hypnotizing. Yeah, I've heard people say that when I'm crying because I they turn an aqua color. But yeah, it's true hazel is what they're called. True hazel, unless it's a green green. It, yeah. it, they're like a, a true aqua. Like a greenish blue. Yeah. Yeah, that's more hazel. No, there's no brown in there. And it Mine isn't some little old lady named Hazel. I see the sparks. A spark. I mean, because I do have specks. I I actually have blue and purple specks in my eyes. You're a freak. And brown. You're a freak. I'm, they're true hazel. They change color. All right. So let's get on with this one. Because this one here is a little bit of a longer one. This is probably going to be a two-parter. <clears throat> we'll probably. Figure, we'll have to figure that one out. Yeah. Today I'm going to present to you guys what's called the Snowtown Murders. So earlier this week... I featured a story out of Adelaide, South uh, Australia, right? Right. We're going to go back to Adelaide. Oh, it's back in Adelaide, huh? It's back in yeah, Adelaide. you did the Truro murders on Tuesday. Correct. I tightened something down on my mic. And on my testicles. What? And on my testicles. <laughs> so. Can't trust you at all. <laughs> <clears throat> The town of Adelaide in South Australia is called the City of Churches, and it was very well planned out. But from around the 1990s, it had fallen on dark times. Now, I want to point out something before I go on. This isn't even in my notes because I forgot to put it in there. But where a lot of the large cities throughout Australia were actually penal colonies, 
Right. Adelaide's a large city, but it was not a penal colony. It was actually well planned out by some colonel, and I had his name because I wrote this story ten times or some shit like that. And I'm just yeah, I have more than one. Like I should have deleted them because I had to search for this. To figure I was going to say, one. yeah, I should know. You should like market number one or something like that. I, I'll try. Okay. Anyways, with the jobless rates at an all-time high, so everybody's pretty much jobless, and the chance of finding employment very low, the city had become a breeding ground for crime, hate, and, of course, murder. What year? In the 90s. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I think these crimes happened between 92 or 94 and 99. Oh, okay. Which I should have put that on here, but I didn't. Okay. Because I meant to. Because I wrote you a, didn't. I wrote a lot of it last night, then finished it up today. While our story starts in Adelaide, it ends in, a, in Snowtown, South Australia. So just keep that in mind. Because everybody's like, why the hell are you talking about uh, Adelaide? And, but it's called the Snowtown Murders. Well, just, just hold your damn horses. Stop it. Stop. You too. I see you squinting at me over there, Fung Jung. Knock it off. Oh, that's not a squint. My bad. Just knock it off. I'm going to hit you. This is a story of four men. Four men who were led by a madman and hell-bent on torturing and killing people. These men were Robert Wagner, Barry Lane, and James Velasquez, who were led by a guy by the name of John Bunting. John met Barry and Robert because they were next-door neighbors to each other while they were living in Adelaide. Barry Lane was a cross-dresser and gay, and he lived with his lover, Robert Wagner. It was said that Lane and Wagner began their relationship when Wagner, when Wagner was only 13 years old. And that plays into the story, by the way. Okay. So pay attention, folks. There'll be a test at the end of this bitch, all right? So normally, I would try to avoid anyone's sexuality because the media tends to focus on who's gay. And I've mentioned that before. Anybody oh, yeah. who's gay, it doesn't matter what they do. They can kill. They can have a victim pool of, of every race, shape, size, and sexuality. But if they're gay, you know, Bill was a killer and he was gay. Yeah. Which has nothing to do with the killings. Yeah, they do that shit all the time. Not at all. With that said, this time it's important to this part of the story. I also want to remember, want you to remember that Barry Lane was an adult when he, became, when he began to date Robert Wagner. These are two important factors that you're going to, and you're learning why in a second. Okay. Now that you got a basic history, let's talk about one of the first murders that they had done. The killing of Clinton Trezise. Clinton had a rough start in life. He bounced around from foster home to foster home until he came to live with the Trezise family. Okay. It's Trezise. T-R-E-S-I-Z. No, I'm just trying okay. to follow along. So anyways, in spite of all the hardships that he faced in his early years... He actually grew up to be a fairly nice guy. He was really charismatic. He smiled a lot, always really happy, and had a very flamboyant choice in clothing. Okay. Might have been kind of gay. Yeah, probably kind of gay. Maybe. Yeah, and he, you know, he's not he, just wearing black and brown and blue. Oh, wait, black and dark blue? Like me? Yeah. Oh, wait, you do have a gray shirt, too, because I gave I it to you. I got some colored shirts. I, what? No, wait, I think I gave you a green one. I have a... Oh, and the brown one. I have a bright, orange, or bright yellow shirt, safety yellow. 
because they got it from the trucking company. They're the brand new shirts that we all got. Wow. Yeah. Like, I'd wear it. I So would I, mix. I'm fabulous. Anyway, Clinton grows up, right? He gets his own place to live. And uh, shortly after moving out from his parents' house, he's befriended by Robert Wagner and Barry Lane. Okay. That's the, t- that's the gay couple, right? So Clinton had no idea that he was that they were members of this club that would put him in danger. A group of social outcasts whose leader is truly a psychopath. In August of 1992, Clinton is invited over to Bunting's house to hang out. Okay. Just kind of hang out, right? Clinton was sitting in the living room on the couch when he was attacked from behind. He was struck in the head with a blunt instrument. He was hit repeatedly and so hard that his skull that was laying against the floor actually cracked Ugh. from the impact on the back of his skull. Wow. As I said, he was at the home of John Bunting, right. the leader of this collection of total misfits. John calls up Lane and Wagner, and they come over to help with his body. They drove the body, Clinton's body, out to uh, a farm, and they buried him in a shallow grave. So a few weeks pass, and Clinton's sister, you know, couldn't get a hold of him. She goes by where he lives and, and what have not, and she notices that his, his apartment is a, it's just wrecked and filthy. Like, he's not the cleanest kid in the world. But this is beyond compare. Why is that look on your face? No, because I couldn't see you there. You look like a mad toad. No, I couldn't see you. I was squinting to see you. <laughs> Don't squint at me. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Ass. So yeah, this is it, Clinton's not the cleanest person, but his his apartment is like tore the fuck up. Like it had been ransacked. Yeah, like it had been ransacked. But there's mixed feelings going on here. So while his sister. Um, goes down and she wants to file a missing person report. His brother is sitting there and we're talking, you know, foster, not foster, but adopted. Okay. Um, sits there and goes, Hey man, he packed up. He got tired of everything in his life here. And he just, he fucking left. He just said, no, his adopted brother was part of this gang though, right? No, was not. This was in the interview that I saw with them on an Australian TV show. So, like I said, Clinton's sister goes down to file a police report, but no reports taken by the police. Oh. And it would be three years before his mother would file a missing person's report and even longer before his remains are found. Wow. The killer is John Bunting, a stocky man in his 20s. He lives with his illiterate wife, Veronica, and he isn't that smart himself either. Okay. Matter of fact, everybody in this gang, kind of low IQ. Don't get silent on me. No. I watched this, and I'm looking at him, and they're giving me information. I'm all, you guys are dumb as fuck. Right, which is kind of odd, considering he had so many followers. Get this, though. So, do you remember me talking about uh, Wagner and Lane? Yeah. Their dynamic? Yeah. And how they, uh, how uh, Lane started dating Wagner when he was 13? Yeah. So, John Bunting has a great hatred of both pedophiles and gay people. Of course he does. And probably pedophiles, too. You know, so being him being 13. Yeah. The problem is that he can't differentiate between the two. So basically, um, if you're a pedophile, then you're gay. And if you're gay, you're a pedophile. Okay. Fucked up way of thinking. Yeah, kind of a little bit. This is a quote from uh, an author who did a book about him named Andrew McGarry, who wrote, uh, like I said, a book about killings. Um. 
did you guys and I put did you guys catch it? And that oh I, I see where I'm referring to uh, that he couldn't differentiate between the two. That's what uh, this Andrew Gary wrote. And I add, did you catch it? Bunting hates Wagner and Lane, uh, h- hates gays. Wagner and Lane are gay, but still they're drawn to this killing club. Yeah. As I understand it, Wagner was also not too bright. He was also illiterate and had trouble in school as well as in his own home. His stepfather was said to be a very strict dude who beat Robert constantly, and that's Robert Wagner. Barry Lane was not only gay, but a cross-dresser. He'd go by the name of Vanessa. Super duper. They'd visit Bunting's house often with, uh, with another friend by the name of Mark Hayden. The one thing that they all had in common was a that they were fascinated by John Bunting's obsession with torture and cruelty. In August of 1994, two farmers made a horrific discovery. They found the human, human remains that included a broken skull and other bones. The police had not identified Clinton's remains, and it would be five more years until they finally identify his remains. On wow. top of everything else. Okay. Now, while they're, digging, uh, while they're digging up and finding remains, what will let it be identified as Clinton's remains, Bunting right. is gathering up more people to join his little murder club. One of these members is a girl by the name of Elizabeth Harvey, and she's going to become important, too, who was recently separated from her husband. She moved in with Bunting as well, uh, and she br- brings her two sons with her. Now, keep in mind, Bunting is married. Yes. To his illiterate wife, Vanessa. Yes. Like, more illiterate than me when I'm trying okay. to read this shit. His wife's name is Vanessa, and the other guy's cross-dresser name Veronica. is Veronica. I'm sorry, Veronica. Okay, no, I was confused for a minute. I confuse myself, but only yeah, about, you confuse me only about a my lot. gender. Yeah, well, that's so another anyways, story. Her son's name is Troy Ude and Jamie Velasquez. Okay, lighting a cigarette. I noticed. Don't need your opinion about it. Not yours. You but didn't not get yours. Mine. I'm talking about the listeners. You're gonna write me more emails. You should stop smoking. Well, I probably should. Probably should quit washing granny porn and masturbating too. But here we are. That would save me. The whole granny porn shit, because I'm tired of getting your fucking videos. Let me date your mom. No. Okay. Both Jamie and Troy had been molested by Jamie's birth father. Troy had then sexually abused his half-brother, Jamie. Because it's a cycle. Yeah. Molestation usually has a cycle, and this is part of that cycle. Oh, it does. With that said, darker days were soon to come for Jamie Velasquez, as Jamie Velasquez fell under the control of John Bunting. Not too far away in a rented trailer lived a mentally disabled guy named Ray, Ray Davies. In 1995, his landlady confronted him, claiming that he molested a child that, that she knows. And during this altercation, Ray said he, he didn't do it. You know okay. what I mean? He's, he's professing his in, innocence. So soon she goes off to report Ray Davies uh, what, he, what she alleges that he did. To the cops. And then she tells John Bunting about it. And that's all it took for proof for Bunting uh, to go over after Ray Davies. Ray was captured and bound by Bunting and Wagner. <clears throat> they brought Bunting, they, they brought him to, uh, he was then brought to Bunting's home where they tortured him for hours on end. 
and that was before they strangled him to death with a set of jumper cables. So Elizabeth Harvey is there. That's the mother of the two boys. And is also his lover while he's married in their own home. Yeah. Pointing that out. It has nothing to do with the murders as far as his sexual preferences. Yeah, no, I got it. It's just a really convoluted sex story. Yeah. Um, where the hell was it? Anyways, Elizabeth Harvey joins in on the fun. And she stabbed Ray in the leg as well. Because Bunting's telling her, stab him. And she says, yeah, this is fun. Fucking stab him. Um, his body was then dumped in Bunting's backyard. They buried him back there. The sad thing is that no one ever reported Ray Davies missing. No one actually cared. Wow. So here's this mentally disabled guy. Yeah. Who has a kid or somebody say, hey, he touched this kid over here. And if he did, then good. Good riddance to bad rubbish. Yeah, but. But there's no proof. It's just some. uh, It's hearsay. It's hearsay information. So. Do you remember the landlady of Ray Davies? I do. Her name was Susan Allen. And she and Bunting began to also have a sexual relationship. Of course she did. So even though Bunting was married to Veronica as well, as having an affair with this Elizabeth Harvey, he's banging all three of them. I have a comment, and it was mean, and I'm keeping it to myself. No, you should have seen pictures of this woman, even though she's deceased. Um, No. I can't say... He's acting like Scott? No, because I have, I have actually very good taste most of the time. They at least have to look good. They can be psychos, though. Okay. Except for Gary Busey, when I, when I dated the one who looked like Gary Busey. <laughs> I was going to say, did you tell me you dated somebody who looked like Hello, Gary Busey? Low pants. <laughs> so after she started having sex with Bunty, Bun- Bunting, she started to write him love letters. And soon after, Bunny got pretty annoyed. In November, in November of 1996, Susan Allen simply just vanished. Now, that was the third woman. That's that third woman. That's the landlord, landlord. of okay. Ray Davies. Dude, this is like convoluted. I, it's going to be hard for me That's to That's why I up. told you I have a ton of pages on here, and we're going to have to go section by section. So after she vanished, her family goes to the police and reports that they couldn't find her. And the police go over to her home, and they're really disturbed by what they came across. Her place is tore the fuck up. And normally, normally, she's a very, very clean woman. Okay. Okay, even though she looks like a hog, um, she's a very clean woman. And she actually, and, and her pets were left there. And she was an avid animal lover. So she would have never left her pets alone for any length of time. Okay. I skipped over a bunch of shit because it was all in my brain. So anyway, it looked like somebody had gone through and rummaged through her house and stolen whatever they could use. So while they're looking for Susan, Bunting and Lane knew right where she was. Yeah. They had killed her, dismembered her, and placed her body parts in bags. After that, they buried her as well in Bunting's backyard. His little little personal graveyard? Apparently so. At that time, however, police didn't know that she had been murdered. And with no evidence of foul play, they just deemed her, hey, she's a missing person. She's a missing person, mate. Don't know what no to tell you. No evidence of foul play, yet her house is ransacked. Her pets are there alone. Mm. Yeah. 
pretty much. Uh, welcome to Australia, right? I'm afraid to get killed there now. <laughs> and not just by a giant spider. <laughs> so anyway, later on, after they caught Bunting and Lane, well, uh, Bunting and Lane will say that they found her body dead from a heart attack, and they dismembered her body so that they can get her Social Security checks, even though she was dead. Okay. So the premise is, what they told the cops is they went in to her house. She's lying there on her bed, dead. And they figured, I might, well, I can get her social security payments. So let's dismember her body and wrap it in bags. And then we'll dump them in my backyard. Sounds good, mate. Where's the croc? Careful of the croc. It might bite you. Sharp teeth, highly venomous. Oh, or my non-venomous. dear God. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to piss off a whole country now. Yeah. That's right. My yeah. fucked up crocodile hunter. Well, welcome to my world, people. Welcome to my world. <laughs> and you wonder why I still show up for work every day. Actually, I love you Australians, man. I got a few friends that live over there. You guys are, you guys are pretty, pretty all right. So anyway, in 1996, Bunting moved uh, to the town of Murray Bridge with Elizabeth Harvey and her two sons. So apparently, he said adios bitch nachos to his wife. Apparently so. That's around, by the way, it's about 100 kilometers away, which is around 65 miles away. Um, Even with the move, though, he kept in contact with Robert Wagner. Um, These two were, they're kind of getting on a roll. And now they're fueled by hate, bloodlust, and, of course, greed. Yeah. You know, they're getting all these fucking Social Security payments. Bunting creates a chart on his wall, potential victims that he calls the Wall of Spiders. This also includes people that he knows and that he thinks might be child molesters, even though he might not have any proof. And he would often pick out a name at random and call him and verbally abuse him on the phone. Because this is okay. the ID and shit, apparently, in, in fucking Australia. Yes, not. <laughs> so the strange thing with this chart, though, is that at the center of this chart is Barry Lane's name. And that's, like I said, Wagner's lover. Yeah. Who Bunting finds out is a convicted sex offender. Oh. By the spring of 1997, Bunting was ready to kill again. But Wagner didn't see this guy's name in the middle of his chart? No, apparently not. Maybe Wagner did. Okay. You'll find out. You'll find out. Okay. Hold your vagina there for a minute, young (laughs) Really? We're going to go there? Well, might trip over your lips. I don't know. Fuck off. (laughs) Feel love. By the spring of 1997, Bunting was ready to kill again. And Michael Gardner was a flamboyant gay guy who was renting a room in a home that was close to where um, her cousin lived. And you're going to find out why. Whose cousin? The, the woman who owned the house. Okay. I'm paraphrasing because I fucked up this, okay? So bear with me. Oh, no, I'm bearing. So anywho, he's 19 years old, and he wanted to get out of his house because his stepfather hated his guts just because he was gay. Okay. And so he, he rents a room from Nicole uh, Zarita, uh, a room, and N- Nicole's very, very... Um, Accommodating to him. Okay. And uh, 
also Gardner had been molested when he was 14 years old by a family friend. And after that was placed in foster care. Okay. So he's 19 and he's renting his own room. And now he's getting to be who, who he wants to be. Yeah. She recalls the great time that they had together. <clears throat> like I said, he was allowed to be yeah, who he was. Mm-hmm. They would paint each other's nails. And she painted his nails for him and put on dresses and wigs. And he would say, call me Michelle. Nearby, as I said, Nicole's cousin, Vicki Mills, is seeing Robert Wagner. That's our other killer. Vicki lives nearby. So as a matter of course, Michael Gardner gets to know Vicki and Robert. And one day, however, there was an incident with one of Vicki's kids. Michael was playing with one of the young boys. They're chasing each other around the house. They're laughing. They're having a good time. And as Vicky and Robert walk into the room, they, uh, and Michael's playing with one of her sons, Michael caught the kid, still laughing, and accidentally put his hand over the kid's mouth. Not, not a big deal, okay? Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I put here. want to point out that they were only playing. There was nothing inappropriate about this. Yeah. Well, Vicky freaks out. And so did Robert. And it was that incident that put Michael in danger. Wow. They saw it as a sinister move. Um, and both. Uh, oh, that's what I said. Put his hands over his mouth. And it was seen as a sinner, sinister move by Vicky and Robert. So when Michael's landlady goes out on vacation for a few weeks and they say she went on holiday. Of course she did. Wagner calls up Bunting, and they abduct 19-year-old Michael Gardner. He was tied up and tortured and strangled. Wow. Yeah. Over nothing. Over nothing. We're already seeing the escalation, though. Yeah. It's a preconceived... It's like a preconceived notion. He does. Well, they're going into this with the preconceived notions. Right, but it's like... But they bided their time in the moment that they could... Strike? Yeah. They went for it. After his torture, he died from strangulation. And later on, Bunting and Wagner chopped off his limbs and put him in a barrel filled with acid. That was in Bunting's shed. Wow. Once again, Bunting and Wagner go through the house where Michael Gardner lived, but they couldn't find any money or anything else of value to steal, not even his wallet. Okay. Uh, thank you for mine. That's the wallet part. Okay. Um, they failed to find anything, though. It was later that the landlady would find it hidden under his mattress. Wow. So Bunting calls her several times saying that he was a friend of Michael's and that he needed his wallet. Michael needed his wallet, right? He needs his ID. Now, they found some of her stuff was missing, too. She did. And she's sitting there telling him in the interview, hey. If he needs his ID, I need Michael to come and see me because I want my stuff back. Wow. And she's concerned. She's really concerned about his whereabouts. This isn't like Michael at all, right? We even go, uh, Bunting even goes as far to uh, pretend that he's Michael and ask her to bring the wallet down to a park and meet him. And she says, nope, not going to happen, motherfucker. Well, they found out that she had found his wallet, because she was also friends with Jamie, with Jamie Velasquez. Okay. Velasquez. Which is one of what Bunting's girlfriend's kids. 
No. Jamie Velasquez is one of the kids of Harvey. Right, but wasn't she sleeping with Bunting? Harvey is, yeah. Okay, that's what I was trying to get at. Oh, okay. I've got you. Bunting's girlfriend's kids. Gotcha. I'm picking up what you're laying down now. Dude. So, anywho, eventually, she was convinced by Jamie Velasquez um, to hand over the wallet. And she does it. Bunting had only put up with Barry Lane, though, because he was Robert Wagner's lover. Mm-hmm. But that ended when, uh, and Lane started seeing a new guy. Okay. Bunting also knew two other things about Lane. First, he was a convicted sex offender. Second, Lane had been talking to Veronica, his ex now, right, about the crimes. Oh, in Bunting's mind, Lane was talking to other people about the crimes as well, though. This was all of the reason that he needed to go after Lane. Wow. Now, it's going to get interesting. Lane had no idea that his time was up. Yeah. His number had been called. So here we go. Bunting, Wagner, and Thomas Trevilian. There's another. That, now, New that, guy. Let me tell you who this new guy is, okay? But they go to Lane's house and abduct him. And Thomas Trevelyan is Lane's new lover. Oh! That puts a different spin on it. Uh Uh-huh. We'll get into him a little bit. In a bit. It was time to put an end to Lane. Bunting had become even more devious in his plans, forcing Lane to make a phone call and a recording explaining his disappearance before he killed him. Lane called his mother, who lived in Adelaide, to tell her that he was moving to Queensland so that she wouldn't go looking for him, file a police report, anything, right? That would ensure that no one would know about his death for a long time to come. The abuse continued after Lane had made his call. The torture would include pliers to crush his toenails and toes. They kept beating Lane until they got all of his financial information, his PIN numbers and all that, right? before strangling him to death. Wow. Lane's body was wrapped in a carpet and left in his house for a few days before being dismembered and, once again, put in a barrel. Unknown to Bunting and his band of murderous misfits, Lane had talked to a female friend of his. Lane had told her about the killing of Clinton Trezise. She went to the police room I just lost my place. She went to the police and reported that, that Lane was missing. Okay. At the time, she wasn't sure if the story was true or not, but, you know, about the killing of, of Trezai's, but she passed it on to the cops anyway. There was a problem, however. Due to the fake recording, the cops think that Lane's already moved to Queensland. Like he's out. Wow. So they're going, ah, no harm, no foul. This is what happened. We have a recording. You know, not a big deal. So soon after the death of Barry Lane, Thomas Trevelyan moves in with Bunting. Thomas Trevelyan is a mentally disturbed teenager who has a love of everything that's military. Okay. Soon after he moved in with Bunting, Thomas confides in his cousin about helping him out with Lane's murder. Okay. Trevelyan was afraid for his own safety at that point. Well, yeah, I would be too. And the murder group was afraid that Trevelyan would tell others what they were up to. 
Mm, of course. So, Bunting and his club of killers soon take advantage of Trevelyan's troubled background and stages suicide. Trevelyan is found hanging by the neck from a tree in the hills of Adelaide. Wow. He didn't go into a barrel. Yeah, well. By 1998, however, Jamie Velasquez started using heroin. Oh. He invited another junkie to move in by the name of Gavin Porter. Velasquez is still living in Bunting's house along with his mom, Elizabeth Harvey. Harvey. Okay. So John Bunting has added junkies to his list of people that he hates. Of course he did. And while he makes exception for Jamie's drug use, Gavin is nothing to Bunting but a waste of space. And here's my personal notes. And I love mentioning that. Like I always say, because I write them in red. <clears throat> My cat's fighting with something. Yeah. She's a scrapper. Probably a mouse. Nah, probably another cat. Oh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> once again, we're seeing two sets of standards here. Bunting hates gays and pedophiles, yet it's okay for Wagner and Lane to be gay. He hates drug addicts, but it's okay for Jamie Velasquez to be a heroin junkie, but his friend, Gavin Port- Porter is a piece of trash for using. Yeah. Gavin Porter was a schizophrenic who received a pension for his disability. Bunting soon gets the PIN number for Porter's bank account. When Bunting, when Bunting sticks himself with a needle that Porter had left on the couch, Bunting flies into a rage. And that is when Bunting decides that Gavin Porter would be the next victim Porter would soon become victim number seven in my personal notes again. I can't really blame Bunting for this one. I'd be beyond pissed if I'd gotten stuck with the needle that someone left on the couch. It wouldn't matter if that needle was used for heroin or a needle that's filled up with insulin that a diabetic might use. Yeah. I would be pretty fucking pissed. But you wouldn't kill them and dismember them and put them in a barrel that I know of. I like that look on your face. You're like, I wouldn't. <laughs> my silence should tell you all. Because if you're leaving needles on my couch. Yeah. We got a problem. You got a big fucking problem. Well, yeah, I get that. Especially coming from a fucking junkie. Yeah. No, I get that. I might. I might bunting him. <laughs> you might bunt. That's a new phrase. I'm going to bunting you. <laughs> I'm going to bunting his ass. So Jamie Velasquez is left for the day. And as the sayings go, when the cats are away, the mice will play. The ritual of murder would would be played out while Jamie Velasquez is gone from the house. As Porter was sleeping in the back of a car, Bunting and Wagner went in for the attack. After being tortured and strangled to death, Porter's body was then put in a barrel, much like the other, some of the other victims, and stored in the garage at the back of the, the same house. barrel? No, different barrels. They're oh. all different barrels. Anyway, these barrels are being stored uh, at the house uh, that they're living in in Murray Bridge. Okay. So when Jamie gets back, Bunting puts it, uh, takes him out to the shed, and he sees his murdered friend, Gavin Porter. This is before he goes into the... Okay. Barrel, by the way. 
and he was in shock to find the, bar- the, the bodies of both Barry Lane and Michael Gardner were there as well. They're already in barrels. Wow. Jamie had no idea that they'd been killed by Bunting and Wagner. And Jamie was repulsed by the sight of these three bodies uh, at the point of he was actually visibly sick. While he was disgusted by what he was seeing, he was also terrified of Bunting, so he agreed to help them with the dismemberment and the disposal of all the victims. I probably would have, too. Yeah, I would have. I mean, you never know what you're going to do in the face of fear. Fucking Bunting's a psycho, so yeah, I might do that, too. In August of 98, Bunting decided that Jamie Velasquez needed to have his first taste of murder. He decided that his brother Troy, that's Troy, was it Unique or Unid? I need? I can't remember his name now. Anyway, his stepbrother Troy needed to be punished for molesting him when he was younger. They armed themselves with clubs and handles of an axe and broke into Troy's home. Wait, wait, wait. He molested Jamie when they were younger? Yeah. I mentioned that the circle of molestation. Okay, yeah. It's going to get really sick, boys and girls, so yeah, I'm, fasten I'm your seatbelts. Yeah. After beating Troy with makeshift clubs, they dragged him into the bathroom. Bunting recorded Troy's voice and the sounds of his torture. This tape would later be known as the Voices of the Dead. Bunting, Bunting heard, is heard actually enjoying the torture of Troy. This is somebody who is kind of a stepson, you know? He's like, yeah. As Troy's lying dead on the floor, Bunting tells Jamie to kick Troy's body. Then they dragged Troy's body into the shed with the three other victims, and they had to, and they had col- that they had collected, and he went into a barrel as well after being dismembered, of course. So by this time here, the smell coming out of the sh- shed is horrific, given that it's August and it's South Australia, not exactly cold temperatures. Well, in August it would be. It's hot as fuck there. I understand, but in August it would be cooler because it's opposite of us. It is? Yes. I was just thinking it's fucking hot as shit. No, it's the opposite there. It's the Southern Hemisphere, dude. Eh, Fuck it. So anyway, Jamie is sick and terrified, but but had no problem accessing his brother's social security payments to buy heroin. Of course not. This marks Better feed the habit. Exactly, man. This marks her eighth victim, and this group of misfits of mur- this group of mis- this misfit group of murderers show no signs of stopping. Yeah, doesn't look like it. So, outside of a few missing persons report and an investigation of fraud, when it comes to people accessing other people's social security payments. The police had no idea that there was a group of killers that were hard at work. Much like, the group, much like a group of piranha in, in a feeding frenzy, this group was out of control. And, they, and, they will not e- and they'll even feed on their own members. See, and this is what gets me, is there were so many people involved, yet nobody knew anything. Nobody knew goddamn thing. That's what's shocking to me. So anyway, feeding on their own members, this is what Mark Hayden was about to find out the hard way. So Hayden was married to Elizabeth St. Clair. And Bunting began to dislike her for what was only described as a pretty weak 
and you know flimsy reason. So it's probably that I don't know. She wore a white dress on a Sunday or something stupid <laughs> after Labor Day. <laughs> he decides to take it out though first on her 18-year-old son Fred Brooks. Bunting decides that he should die because eh, he's an easy target. So okay, boys and girls, let's recap. The escalation has gone like this. Number one, Bunting and his group hate gays and pedophiles with the exception of Wagner and Lane, who are gay. This is until Lane is no longer needed and Bunting makes a choice for him to die. Bunting even gets Lane's boyfriend involved uh, with, with killing him. Number two, Bunting added to his, vic- to his victim list Thomas Trevelyan, because he talked to his cousin about the killings. Three, Bunting added drug addicts to his list of those he hates, but the fact that his friend and sort of stepson, Jamie Velasquez, is a heroin junkie is okay, but his friend Gavin is garbage because he's a junkie. Yeah. Number four. Now that he's added a teenage boy to his hit list just because now he's added a teenage boy to his hit list just because he doesn't like the teen's mom and he's an easy target. Yeah. So there's no real reason there outside yeah, there's of no I don't rhyme like or your reason. Mom. Yeah. Well, there's no rhyme or reason other than I don't like you. Exactly. Yeah. Well, by September of 1998, just one month after he killed Jamie's brother Troy, he decided that Jamie would continue with helping him kill people. They abducted young 18-year-old or 19-year-old uh, Fred Brooks. I think he was 18. Uh, he, was just, he was a teenager. Fuck it. Anyway, Fred Brooks. And they tortured him as... And, and they tortured him as well as the killing went on. Wow. Went on. Is and he report- recorded it too? Oh, yeah. It was reported that Bunting tortured Fred Brooks by putting cigarette, cigarettes out in his nose and his ears. <gasps> then he hooked up a variac machine. I think that's right. A variac machine, which is used for chrome plating by using electrodes. And they were on alligator clips. Okay. He connected those electrodes to Fred's genitals as well as putting a sparkler, which is a firework, inside of Fred Brooks's penis, lighting it, and letting it burn all the way down to the head of his penis. I knew that one would gross you out. I don't have a penis, and that hurt me. And I told everybody, brace yourself, it's about ready to get fucking weird. Yeah, I don't have a penis, and that hurt. So, personal note, I can only imagine how much pain and fear that young man had to endure for no other reason than Bunting not liking his mother. This kid wasn't, wasn't a pedophile or even gay. He wasn't a drug user. He didn't do anything wrong. But yet, yet he had to suffer and die. Because somebody didn't like his mom. Yeah. Well, the sparkler, the first one, amused him, uh, Bunting and Wagner, so much that they did it again with another sparkler down his penis. Their final act of depravity and torture was to fill syringes full of water and and inject them into Fred Brooks's testicles. And it was shortly after that that Fred died. They took Fred's body to Mark Hayden's home, of which they were they had moved the barrels to by that time, with the other dead bodies. And 
Oh, and it was then that they had gotten access to Fred Brooks's um, accounts for his Social Security benefits. Okay, question. Okay. I'm not a man. What's the purpose of injecting water into somebody's testicles? Just because? Just because it fills them up with water. Gotcha. I think. That's disgusting. For money and just to torture him because they didn't like his mom. It's a little moment of silence, though, for Fred Brooks, man, because that is for our Australian market as well. That's that's pretty fucked up stuff right there. That was beyond fucked up, Scott. I've done some cruel things in my time. Me too. But nothing like that. I've never even, that's never even crossed my fucking mind. Me neither. In October of 1998, Bunting and Velasquez are sitting in a car when they see a man by the name of Gary O'Dwyer hobbling across the street. So Gary had been in a car wreck, and he wasn't able to work, so he lived off a pension for his disability. Bunting came up with a plan to get them invited to O'Dwyer's home. Bunting, Bunting, Wagner, and Velasquez are at the home of Gary O'Dwyer. Then they're sitting in the living room having a few drinks when Bunting stands up. This was a signal for Wagner to grab O'Dwyer and begin to choke him. And during this, um, Bunting is saying, hey, you're killing him. Yeah, stop. You're killing him. For no other reason but his own amusement, I'm assuming. They used some of the same torture, tortures that they had done to the others in the past, including hooking up that Variac machine to O'Dwyer. They, you know, say so zapped him too. They get O'Dwyer to tell him all of his financial information as they're torturing him. They also recorded his voice the same as they did the last two victims. This is another attempt to throw off any suspicion of O'Dwyer being murdered. This would be their tenth victim, and of course, O'Dwyer's body would end up in a barrel. Of course it would. With O'Dwyer out of the way, though, Bunting decided it was time for Fred Brooks' mother, the wife of Mark Hayden, who's part of his group, Elizabeth Hayden, to die. The one who, they killed her son. Uh Uh-huh. Now they want to kill her. Yep. Okay. But it was because of how brutally they murdered her, and I didn't have time to look at how brutal what they did to her, that finally got the police to start looking at this gang of killers. Wow. They take notice of them. So somebody had seen them transporting these barrels, right? Mm -hmm. They get a description of their land cruiser, which is loaded up with the barrels, and and the cops quickly find where this land cruiser is, and it's at Hayden's home. They also found out that John Bunting had rented a building that once was a bank in Snowtown. There you have it, folks. That's why it's called the Snowtown Murders. Ta-da. I might finish this off in one episode. It's because I use a big font. I told you. By now, they're closing down on guys. And they, and they went to the bank uh, the Bunting's renting. They got in through a side gate. And when they entered the vault, they were met with a, the smell of rotted bodies, of rotted meat. The police quickly called for backup and special equipment. And officers arrived. One videotape as the other opened the barrels to reveal the dismembered bodies. Eight victims were found in barrels in the bank vault. The small town of Snowtown was in shock, saying things like, 
this stuff never happens in a small town. It was said that the smell was so bad from the vault that, that once they'd opened the vault, the smell wafted out of the bank and through the streets of Snowtown in South Australia. That's just disgusting. The bodies were taken to Adelaide, to the University of Adelaide, so that professor, the, the professor of anatomy... I'm going to fuck this up. Marche Henenberg. Okay. I think that's right. Could examine them. And he was shocked at the amount of cruelty used in the dismemberment of these bodies. And <laughs> Just the dismemberment, huh? Just the dismemberment alone yeah. showed great cruelty. Because you can see the torture in the, in the skid tissue, the adipose tissue. Right. The, you know, the, the, the muscle tissue and the bone. Right. It was extreme torture. Police make their move, and a few days later, and a, a, they're arresting Bunting, Wagner, and Hayden at their homes. A few days later, the police question Jamie Velasquez, and he rolls over on Bunting, Wagner, and Hayden. Like, he's all, here's <laughs> what happened. <laughs> he couldn't roll over fast enough, mm-hmm. huh? I was minding my own business. Like my mate. dog to get in and pet his stomach? <laughs> yep, he couldn't roll over fast enough. So Jamie leads the police to three more bodies in the hopes of saving his own skin. Wow. Well, the police report, uh, re- resort to DNA profiling to try to identify the bodies that they now have. In the end, Bunting, Wagner, and Hayden were charged with 11 counts of murder, and Velasquez was charged with five counts of murder. Wow. So all four men, uh, they... They appear before a magistrate, and Jamie Velasquez is scared, as the other three keep taunting him. And it got so bad that they had to keep them separated and, you know, from the other three dudes and under guard the entire remainder of the hearings. Wow. So during all of this, Jamie's mother, Elizabeth Hardy, we remember her? Yeah. Okay? She died of cancer before she could be wow. called on to speak for her kid. The good thing with that is that Jamie had no long, she had no, no reason to keep protecting his mother. Just, right. you know, she's dead, and she was involved in the murders of at least one of the people. Right. So he went on to tell the entire truth about her. Okay. Or at least as far as what he knew. He turned state's evidence and became the Crown's star witness as he told the court everything that he knew. He was given life in prison with the possibility of parole in 26 years. Okay. Hayden was sentenced to life and possible parole after 18 years. This is after he confessed to killing three people. He was found to be guilty of seven more people on top of the three that he admitted to for a total of 10. Bunting and Gardner were found guilty of 12 murders and sentenced to life. And as far as I know, no parole date has been set to make them eligible for parole. In the courtroom, Bunting and Gardner showed no remorse whatsoever for what they had done. When they were sentenced, the judge said something like, and I, because they lost the quote, he said something like, if I had the power to give you a sentence of which you would never be released, I would do just that. Wow. And that is the whole thing. And I did it in under an hour. 
Good for you. That's the big font that I use. I can't read the small shit that you write. I know. I use an 11 or 12. God damn. I can do a 10 if I have to. Kiss my hands. I'm awesome. I might need bifocals. Okay. Start at the beginning. Okay. N or N? N or N. Um, Nurture, nurture. Bunting, I'm pretty sure nature. I get that feeling too. The others, I'm going to say nurture, and I believe bunting's part of that nurture. I think bunting also has a little bit of nurture on there, only because the commonality with all everybody involved seems to be molestation. No, oh, yeah, that and, could and be a too. rough childhood and a rough childhood. Yeah. So there might be a little bit of nature in there and nurture. Yeah, that's that could my be feeling. too. I think Velasquez is definitely nurture. Yeah. I mean, that's well, a because and I think because what I'm thinking is is this whole group they are totally following Bunting's lead. So it's like he is nurturing that gang mentality in them. Oh, totally. So that's 100%. what I was thinking. And Bunting has a chance, especially with Velasquez, to nurture and kind of groom him from be, a young age. Yeah. You know, so when it comes, and with that coupled with the fear factor, you know, it's pretty easy to go, okay, you're going to kill your, your half brother. Yeah. You're going to kill Troy because yeah. he molested you. He deserved it. Yeah. So, of course, you're going to go in and do it. You know, plus. You got the reward of a little bit of cash when you get his uh, yeah his payments to buy some more heroin. Yeah, chasing the dragon, and that's what it sounds like. The whole motivation was is to get the fucking funds. mostly greed. Yeah, yeah, that's by and large from what I it was all it fucking was. greed. Is what I mean. I mean that's the common denominator in all of them that I was hearing. Oh, totally, totally, totally. you know. So. Do you think that then this is a stupid question, but we have to ask it anyway. Do you think the killings would have continued had they not been caught? Oh, of course. There is no doubt in my mind they would have. Says you. Oh, my God. I am shocked at your answer. Really? <laughs> I was going to say, really, Scott? Really? How do, you, how do you speculate that the escalation would have gone? I mean, because it. See, I don't. That's what I don't know. Lot. Yeah. I mean, it's like. I'm almost wondering, and this is disgusting to say this, but we've seen it before, is live dismemberment. Oh, I hadn't thought about that with him, but no, probably because, number one, his victim pool has spread out. Yes. It went to two specific groups, even though he couldn't differentiate between the two, gays and pedophiles, to, at the end, it sounded like... He would kill anybody. There really didn't have to be a reason. Which almost makes you think in the beginning, though, that he was targeting men who... Because it was like almost like he was abused by a man, sexually abused by a man. And that's why I said maybe it's a little yeah. bit of nurture on top of there. You know, because he can't differentiate between a gay and a pedophile because he doesn't know if his offender was gay. You know what I mean? Or a pedophile. Yeah. And that's what I was going to bring up, but you read my mind. Yeah. Thank you very much. So, I know, well, we, we've gone used to that with each other. Um, I mean, you started answering my questions <laughs> right before I asked them. So, you know, so there is that. But at the same time, yeah, I can see it progressing into dismemberment while they're alive and, you know, that kind of shit. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. 
You know, I find that bunting seemed to be very egotistical. Very much so. like a mag, not a megalomaniac, but you know what I mean. Um, close. Yeah, kind of. I don't know. Like he had to gather those around him that would worship him almost. So yeah, maybe megalomaniac yeah. is the right word. Yeah, um, and a couple of that with people they was that he would call that were on his uh, his list, right? And harass him on the phone. That's just wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, with just everything else going on and his, his hatred of very specific groups, but making allowances. Yeah. That's what I had a hard time with. Yeah, me too. For example, we talked about, uh, you know, yesterday, the Nazis. Oh, no, that was Monday. I'm sorry, Monday. We talked about the Nazis, right? right? So if you're a Nazi and you say, I hate the Jews, well, that means you hate all, all Jews. Jews. It's not like some Nazi said, I hate the Jews, except for these ones over here. Yeah. Because they make matzo ball soup and it's really good. Anything like that. Yeah. You know, it was a Jew was a Jew was a Jew. And that's it. Racists are the same way. You know, I hate blacks. Okay, then you hate all blacks. Or I hate whites. Then you hate all whites. Or... You know, I hate Filipinos because I'm Asian and I'm not squinting <laughs> at you, Scott. And I won't I'm eat Korean, your dog. Korean, Chinese, or Japanese. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and we're not going to eat your dog today. Tomorrow's a different story. But, you know, you get it. So to have this group gather around you where you're going, especially when you've got two gay guys in the group and you're going, I hate gays and pedophiles. Well, wait a minute. Wagner and Lane are blowing each other. Yeah. So what about that? They're okay. They're a different kind of gay. 100% different. They're not like those gays. They're just, they're gay, yeah. gay, not gay, gay, gay. You're laughing over there. But that's the best way that I can explain it. And then no, all of a sudden I going, just... I hate drug addicts too. Well, yeah. Jamie's using heroin. That's okay. But his friend Gavin, what a piece of trash. Yeah. You know, and I do understand with him having all that anger and getting stuck by the needle from a junkie, because that's dangerous. You can catch very shit. Very much so. I understand him being very pissed off about that and even killing Gavin Porter. I understand that. Okay. Hey, if I got stuck by no, a junkie's but, needle... No, I can say okay, but it's the torture behind it. Exactly. I would let him know why he's dying if I killed him. Yeah. But I don't think I would sit there and Torture him to death. Yeah, isn't that the one they stuck the sparkler in his penis? No, that was the uh, the the teenage boy. Oh, 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 yeah, Which yeah, makes yeah, it yeah, ten yeah. Ten times more disgusting. Yeah. So uh, the mom he didn't like. Right, and let's talk about the teenage boy. The part that bothers me with this is here's a guy going, I hate pedophiles and I hate homosexuals, but he's fondling a teenage boy's junk to put a sparkler. Down his penis. Yeah, and then injecting his junk with water. Screams out a little gay to me. Yeah, like a um, unresolved personal conflict. Yeah, almost like he's like maybe closeted gay. Which yeah. you know what, Bunting, if you're gay, you're gay. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. You probably are now, but yeah, by now you've dropped the soap a few times. Yeah, well, and, and there you either put up or you shut up. I'm pretty sure by now he's 
drops the soap, he just bends over and he just cries. Yeah, I know what's coming, mate. <laughs> I'm getting the Aborigines twist in the backside. Stop it. <laughs> you I thought that so was funny. Bad. You were so bad. But no. Holy shit. All right. Do you have any questions for me? Absolutely none. Fantastic. Well, yeah, this, this one, one was really gross. Pretty much, yeah. I was kind of regretting you giving me this one after I started actually. I gave it to you because it was so convoluted. I couldn't have followed along. It was hard to for me to follow along, honestly. Yeah. And reading shit, it was, I was just sitting there shaking my head going, what the fuck? Yeah, I started reading. I'm like, no, he's taking that one. All right. Remember, Australia, you can send us an email at Brutal Nation. At Twisted oh, Blue. Oh, I'm sorry. My brain stopped at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Please click on that Amazon button because it helps the show out. It's just one small extra step, and it doesn't cost you anything else. It's really just nice for you to do. You're being nice to us. Yeah. Check out our blogs at Medium, Vocal Media, and Hub Pages. And on Medium, they have a... a Publication. A publication called Crime Beat. We got picked up for publication with them, so check them out. You get a lot more information and uh, not all of my bullshit that goes along with it. Pretty much. Because I have a lot of bullshit that goes into the podcast. Pretty much. This show is copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. And we will talk to you little boys and girls later. Remember, be kind to one another, all right? I'm kind of stuck on that here lately after... The story of Joshua Phillips yeah. and and this this kid in the Snowtown murders and, and things like that. Yeah. And even with, with the first part of Joseph uh, Mengele. Uh, just, please, for fuck's sakes, man, be kind to one another. We'll talk to you guys later. We look forward to hearing from you. Bye-bye. Bye.